1: Affordable Care Act enrollment. With me to discuss the topic is the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, Brian Webb. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for your time. Thank you. For context, allow me just to note, according to the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, in 2012, 46% of adults aged 19 to 64, or 84 million, did not have insurance for the full year or were underinsured or underprotected from high out-of-pocket costs. Two of five adults, or 75 million, reported they had problems paying their medical bills or paying off a medical debt. More than two of five, or 80 million, reported cost-related problems getting needed health care. With that as brief introduction relative to the value or importance of health care insurance, let's begin. Brian, my first question, sort of the obvious one, could you briefly describe the work of the NAIC?
0: Yeah, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners is actually uh, founded late 1800s for the purpose of bringing together state insurance regulators because it was realized while insurance is regulated at the state level a lot of it crosses state lines to try to bring some continuity in how it's overseen by companies and by regulators so what we do is we have all 50 states, District of Columbia and five U.S. territories Uh, They're all members, and they come together for the purpose of developing model regulations, model laws. Uh, We come together to help each other with solvency. Uh, We also do accreditation of state processes to make sure there's a constant standard of vigilant oversight of health insurance, PNC companies, life insurance, all the different insurance companies. So when it comes to like the Affordable Care Act, our job, some of it was outlined in the law, things we needed to do but it was really bringing together the regulators as well as all the stakeholders developing various models rules regulations helping the federal government understand how states regulate insurance and really kind of being that conduit between the states and the federal government and between states and states and states with their legislators and trying to make sure everybody understands kind of how insurance works
1: okay very good very helpful So let's go to the ACA enrollment period which just concluded this past March 31st. So most generally, how many people enrolled during the first ACA open enrollment period and what do we know about these enrollees?
0: Well, the numbers we have seen, the same as everybody else has seen, somewhere north of 8 million people uh, actually went on, enrolled in either a state-based exchange or the federally-facilitated exchange. We're still trying to determine how many of those actually pay the premium, first month's premium. Uh, numbers we've seen from the companies are somewhere between 85 and 90 percent, which is good. That's uh, fairly typical. Of course, the question then: How many will continue to do so? As a veteran of the programs like CHIP, uh, a lot of people made that first month's payment, but then a couple months later. Why am I paying for this? So Children's we're gonna, Health Insurance Plan. Right. So so trying to figure out kind of how that will continue. A lot of new people have never had insurance before. So we're trying to figure out exactly how many will stay on and then how many people will come on through special enrollment periods and those during the year. Will it kind of stay between that 7.5 and 8 million people on the exchanges? Now, as far as who they are, uh, that's something we're still trying to figure out. Several states are going to be doing surveys of their companies to try to determine basic age of those on the program uh, in the insurance, uh, kind of what kind of claims we're seeing. We saw a big spike in January and February, but in March it really came down to more normalized uh, rate of uh, basically claims coming into the companies. So. We're going to be looking at all of those things, and really, we probably won't know the complete makeup of both the inside and outside of the exchange until we do risk adjustment. And that will be the first time we've really done this, and really we'll know, uh, as regulators and as, in general, what is the risk makeup of these people. Because even age doesn't tell you. Because we and most people are putting it around twenty five percent, some as high as thirty, some as low as twenty two percent.
1: And that you mean age, are, meaning eighteen to thirty four year
0: olds. Right, eighteen to thirty four year olds. But that still doesn't tell you the whole story, because eighteen to thirty four year olds get sick. Uh, some of them have diseases. Some of them were on high risk pools. Some of them are having babies. So you kind know, of who, even there, who are they? What are their risk uh, measures? And we'll know that later, more later on this year. Unfortunately, that will be after most of the companies file their rates for 2015. 15. Correct. <laughs> so.
1: Let me ask you about um, a couple of file related questions. What about the Medicaid expansion program? What's your sense of how that worked?
0: Well, it was a kind of a, a curveball there when the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court said it was an option for the states. Uh, so clearly, we've seen a majority of states have expanded. And in those states, we've seen um, the uninsured rate of course drop more than other states Uh, we've seen also it have a positive effect on premiums because there are there's that large group of people now is insured through Medicaid they're not uninsured and they're not going on to the exchange so when you get more people insured that's better overall for the pool so we've seen some positives there of course there still are a number of states including the one I live in Virginia that are still dealing with it still struggling with it trying to figure out if they're going to do it or not the option will remain open some states are looking for better options to where they can control those costs Um, so we'll see as we move forward it's had a positive effect but we completely understand when states are wary of it because it is, while the federal government is paying 100 percent of the cost up front, down the road the state will be on the hook and these great expansions uh, cause concern with state legislators and governors when they're trying to meet their budgets because unlike the federal government they have to actually balance theirs. So,
1: Let me ask you a follow up on the Medicaid. There's a, a, a dynamic called the woodworking effect. Mm-hmm. And this effect states whether or not they chose to expand Medicaid or not. What is the woodworking effect?
0: The uh, woodwork effect is people waking up and figuring out, boy, I can get Medicaid? And with all the advertising, with all the people going to the exchange, there's people that went to the exchange who had never had any idea that they were actually categorically eligible for Medicaid. Uh, so... There has been and there's a study just out last week that said tremendous amount of woodwork effect where people who would have been eligible before for Medicaid. For Medicaid. Now are finding out they are eligible for Medicaid and going on Medicaid. So even in states that didn't expand, we've seen an increase in number of people receiving Medicaid.
1: And I think the study you cite I have in my notes here, it appears that five hundred and fifty thousand people in states not participating in the expansion signed up. And, of course, they were unaware that they had all the while been eligible. Let me also note that the uninsured rate has dropped substantially over the last two quarters. Now it's estimated about 14.5 percent. It was as high as 18 percent late September of 2013. Although, of course, there are various estimates by Gallup, the RAND organization, the Assistant Secretary of Planning Evaluation. uh, They all vary.
0: And, of course, that varies by state as well, some depending on Medicaid expansion, some just based on did people go out Uh, demographics we're still having a hard time getting certain demographic groups to come and sign up and again I worked for the governor of California when we did the children's health insurance program it's very difficult to get certain populations to come in and sign up so some states have been more effective than others in driving down that insured rate and we'll see that'll be the challenge going forward can all the states get to the point where they're really driving down that uninsured rate. In fact,
1: particularly high for the Hispanic correct uh, population. Correct. Let me ask you uh, now about there are various metal level plans. So first, briefly describe what the levels are. <laughs> and can you tell me what, in this last round, what was the most popular level plan for which people uh, signed up?
0: And the levels are based on actuarial value. Just to summarize that, that, mean, that just means how much is going to be Covered by the insurance company versus by the enrollee and they're set up by percentages So you start at 60% for the bronze plan So basically if you take the average person who enrolls in that plan getting average claims Then they would pay 40% of the cost the company pay 60% So it's bronze 60% silver 70% gold 80% uh, 80% and then 90% for the platinum level now there also is another little catastrophic plan that certain people especially younger people can purchase which is a little below uh, the 60% well so it's out there as well uh, as far as the ones most people purchase silver is always going to be your most popular uh, because if you are want to get subsidies for your cost sharing to where they actually reduce that 70% down, you have to buy a silver plan. So, for people on subsidy, that's always going to be the most popular. It was interesting because early on, we saw a lot of people going buying platinum. And the feeling there was people were a little shocked, but then when they thought about it, weren't amazed because it was people early on figured they had a lot of claims. <laughs> there were people coming off high risk pools, they were people who have been denied coverage for a long period of time. They come in, and if you know you're going to have a high cost, you might as well buy the platinum. That
1: covers, <laughs> pays out the most. Pays
0: out the most, less out of your pocket, less surprises down the road. Yes, you're paying a higher premium, but you're getting more bang for the buck. As we've gone along, the most popular have been actually the bronze and silver.
1: Okay, okay. And per your point, 56% of uninsured are eligible for for financial assistance, either through the marketplace or Medicaid. Right. You did mention paying the importance of, Not just enrolling, but actually paying your first premium, and that is the question or issue concerning effectuated enrollment, and that means you've actually paid a premium after enrolling. And you did mention uh, the percent, so it is, again, 85 to 90 percent, is that the guesstimate?
0: That was what was um, last week, they had a hearing week before, I can't remember, Uh, they had an energy commerce committee had a hearing and that's what, at that meeting, the The companies said this is what it is now that we've seen everything coming out of the open enrollment period. Okay.
1: Let me ask you one other question about the enrollment before I go to looking forward. One criticism of the program is many individuals buying coverage already had insurance. Mm -hmm. So this, this comment, or criticism rather, you hear frequently. What do we know about the people buying coverage already having a policy?
0: And that's something states are asking the companies if they have that information. Now, it was something that was asked of them when they enrolled in the exchange, but is it accurate? I mean, nobody will know for sure because if I ask somebody, did you have insurance? Well, they may have been without insurance for a month. They may have lied, they, <laughs> they may not have understood the question, didn't right? care, you know, because it really doesn't make a lot of difference when you're enrolling in something. It matters, what matters is really, you see that uninsured rate going down. How much of that is because of Medicaid, and how much of that is because of people getting into insurance. That's that's where it, when it makes a difference. Are we driving down the uninsured rate? The fact that they had insurance before, most people have had insurance at some point before. How many were without it? Their entire the day lives, before the day before, the month before, the year before. Uh, maybe there are people who were driven out. And even then, a lot of people they were on the high risk pool. If you ask them do you have insurance, they would say, No, I was on that government program. You know, so it's we really won't know. Even the carriers won't know for sure. What we're gonna have to look for is that uninsured rate. And is that being driven down? That will be the biggest tell on how many of those people were uninsured before.
1: Okay, so let's go to twenty fifteen. Uh, This past week, there's been news relative to what will premium rates look like in the coming year. Um, Actually, there was specific news about, I'll give you one example, in the state of Washington, one carrier or insurance company said that they would propose lowering their customer health premium costs next year. I know it's very early uh, to forecast or crystal ball this, but what are you hearing or what's your guess as it relates to going forward or next
0: year? Well, three states already have made public their initial filing. And keep in mind, that's initial filing. That may look nothing like what's actually approved by the state. And that's Kentucky, Washington, and Virginia. They have them out there. Overall, we've seen, well, some plans, like the highest one we saw was a 16% increase for one single plan, not too many people in that plan. Uh, and then you saw some actually a decrease most of them uh, six to eight uh, percent increases overall uh, but we're just going to have to see and that will vary by state there's a lot of different drivers going into this and really when you consider the amount of information the companies have they're guessing <laughs> they don't have the risk pool they really don't know a lot about the makeup of their even their, their pool right now they don't know what the claims are going to look like so they're still guessing to a certain extent I think the fact that there were roughly seven and a half to eight million people signing up, uh, that we've seen the uninsured rate going down. I think that has given some optimism to the insurance companies that this is a viable pool. Uh, This is going to work. They're still concerned about the fact that the federal government kind of keeps changing the rules like these transition plans where people can keep renewing their plans until 2016 if the state allows them. Some of, that was those, some of those last second changes changed the pool, risk pool a little bit. So, uh, we also have reinsurance going down in the individual market, uh, where it was $8 billion. Now it's going down to $6 billion, which is good for the small group, large group, and self insurance. Mm-hmm. They're paying less in, but the individual market, less subsidy going in. So, there's a lot of moving parts. So, we will see. Um, as they come in, people will be taking a look at them. Of course, those are initial rates. They will be. They'll have to determine whether they're sufficient, whether they're non-discriminatory, whether they're justified, and we'll have to see where we end up. But the fact is, rates go up. Always have. <laughs> the question will be how much and why. What's kind of driving that?
1: Can you explain, there's news this morning, actually, that Aetna, Humana, and United Health made some announcement about cost transparency on their premiums. What was that about?
0: Well, there's always concern about uh, shadow pricing, uh, about if you're going on the exchange or you're filing your rates and the state makes it public, uh, that other companies will wait and see what the big guys and these are big guys, Signet, like, now, Those guys are they're big. So, and Blues always complaining about this too. They'll wait till we get our rates in, and then they'll come in a dollar, two dollars. <laughs> Especially if you're all going to be on one page, right? <laughs> Just come in a little lower, and so they're always concerned about that. When does it? When is it made public? Also, they're always concerned about proprietary information, such as how they calculated those rates, what basis they use. These very intricate actuarial charts, and a lot of those charts are at proprietary how they accomplish that. So so everybody wants transparency, but the companies are concerned about it. And and, and regulators are too. Uh, in fact, many regulators have said, we're not going to make it public until they're final. We're not going to make it public until everybody has filed, and those kinds of things. So we're all going to be watching that. So we, we understand their concern, uh, and states are kind of working with them on that.
1: Um, I'm debating in my mind at the moment, asking one of two final questions. One is you mentioned about Going into 2015, the companies or carriers are basically guessing their rates because they don't have sufficient information from the 2014 enrollment. Right. So that begs this issue of risk corridors. Mm-hmm. But that's a very weedy question. Okay. So let me <laughs> ask you this question instead. So states regulate. I mean, health uh, healthcare insurance is regulated at the state level. Okay. There are state health insurance offices, insurance commissioners. To what extent do the states truly regulate as opposed to, you hear the word, deeming? Mm-hmm. This was much discussed during the Affordable Care Act debate, right. meaning that really state insurance offices basically just deem, rubber stamp, whatever the premium increase is. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of development. There's been federal funding to help states do a better job of actually reviewing and approving. Where are we on this whole issue?
0: Well, it, it varies by state. It's not necessarily states you would think about. California can't seem to get full right. authority. Illinois can't get full authority. I mean, These are pretty big states and very regulatory states. But what we always point out is even if upfront, now a majority of states do have what's called prior approval. They can review them and they do review them. There is always that deemer. And the deemer is really there just as a backstop to make sure the state does it. You don't have them just thrown in a drawer and the company can't do anything and can't use it. So over time, to avoid that and kind of push the states to do it, you have these deemer clauses. Basically, giving the state 45 days or 60 days to do it and if they do nothing, they stick it in a drawer and don't do anything about it, then it's deemed approved. But even in that case, even if it's a file in use or it's a use and file for informational purposes only, no matter what, every state still does require that all rates be justified, sufficient, and non-discriminatory. So even like Wisconsin's a good example of this, where they pretty much allow the rates to go as filed, but then they do an extensive audit on the back end. And if they do find that they are insufficient, they will tell the company to raise them. If they say that they're unjustified; they're too high and excessive. They will require them to pay a rebate. So they find it discriminatory. They will they will go in. So and every state, even, states of Alabama, Missouri, they all have that ability to go back and make sure they're complying with the law. So even if it is, and there's only a handful of states nowadays that have kind of the use and file, not really look at it, um, and the federal government's looking at, but not a lot they can do either they rubber stamp whatever it is too um, but there is always that ability to go back and regulate and so if there is somebody's out there you know lowballing everybody and that's affecting their solvency they will take action if somebody's extremely high uh, they will look at it and if it's not justified and all of them even if the follow use you have to have an actuary sign off on it and their, their job is on the line their certification is on the line so even then a lot of checks and balances to make sure everybody's kind of in line with what's really happening out there, but
1: in some clearly the trend is towards more careful oversight.
0: Yes, absolutely, and um, and and even making it more public. I mean, you have like Maryland that makes them just very public, public hearings and things like that. So that's been kind of the trend, uh, trying to move that direction. But sometimes that gets everybody in trouble. So we have what's happening in Washington. So.
1: <laughs> so lastly, going forward, we have just a minute left. Uh-huh. You're optimistic for 2015 and going forward.
0: Well, it's got to be better, right? <laughs> I mean, we're more optimistic that the upfront, the exchange will work better. People get better information. People will be more used to it. Um, there'll still be a lot of confusion, though. Uh, so we're optimistic it'll run smoother. Uh, we're still very, very concerned about what the pool will look like, uh, about last-second delays and changes. You know, we're still hesitant about those things. It just hasn't been fully implemented yet. We really haven't kind of done the whole thing yet. So that's what we'll be looking for in 2015.
1: Okay, Brian, with that, we're at our uh, boundary here. So I'll say thank you again.
0: Sure. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening and please listen again soon.